Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Partnership for the Arts. Where we talk art. How are you doing today, Dave? Kat, I'm doing good, feeling blessed. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Right, because this is part one of three on our Thuria show. How about what that? a milestone. It That's is. awesome. It is. This oh. is what uh, your fifth I show? think it is my fifth show. Right, wow, time right. flies. I feel so honored to be here. It's yeah. just a, a great place to be. I love the service that we're providing, what the show is all about. Well said. Looks like you're settled into that chair over there. Oh, I'm very comfy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fitting right in with the co-host. That's, oh, that's fitting good. right in. There we go. <laughs> so, with a quick intro of our guest, Isaac Mingus, he is a double bassist for the Charlotte Symphony Orchestra. At the age of 21, I have gotten to know this young man, a friend, and I've got to know his story, his life story, and it is a incredible story, an inspiring story. It's one of those stories that when you hear it, you go, wow, really? It truly is a story of many triumphs out of tragedy. So with that, Kat, you ready to start? I'm ready to start. Okay, then here we go. This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can find this and other episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show, or you can find us on our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. This show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. Isaac, I'm going to say welcome to the show. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Isaac. It's great to have you here. I had a chance to meet with you just out by the coffee bar there, and I just really have to say you're an amazingly charming young man with so much talent, and I can't wait to get started and to hear your story and all of your accomplishments. So. Well, I'm loquacious and I've got my high octane too. So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> We're all in good company here. Yes, we so are. We are. <laughs> okay, so Isaac, you just turned 21. 21. You were born in Chattanooga, right? Chattanooga, Tennessee, choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> and you were there for how long? Well, the first nine years of my life, I turned nine in Providence, Rhode Island, we went north to move south to Florida, but okay. we sort of went on this uh, uh, northeastern road trip. My father was a minister, and he did a marriage there in Rhode Island, Providence, and then we came on south. I remember I turned uh, nine years old on a blustery day up there, and my little brother was so confused as to why I was getting presents, and he wasn't. So, <laughs> that's always how I denotate how long I was in Tennessee. <laughs> remember his face when I got a book and I got a book for my ninth birthday and he said I want a book he didn't read he, he couldn't read he just wanted to he just wanted something anyway so with your book in hand you found yourself in Florida <laughs> and there you were enrolled in quite a prestigious school in uh, Osprey Osprey Florida yeah Osprey Florida yes uh, Pineview I had the great fortune of attending Pineview yeah I looked it up it is for, as they say, highly intellectual and yes. gifted individuals. Pineview is a rarefied environment. Um, it's a public high school. It's almost like a magnet high school. It's kind of hard to classify, so it's in its own little oasis in the Sarasota County School System. Mm-hmm. And 
I was surrounded by high aptitude peers uh, for my entire career there, which was only sixth through 11th grade. But through those years, I met a lot of interesting people. Where your music career started, so to speak? Yes, I did start my music career there. Um, Chris Mink is the orchestra director. He's a bassist himself. Of all places, he's from Providence. I can interject, sure. when you got accepted into the school, were you already playing music? No. Oh, so you, you had the passion for it. Actually, I didn't. I had no idea that I enjoyed music. I had, um, I, I had never been exposed to anything but basic recorder class in elementary school. And how'd you fare on that? I was an awful recorder player. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's really nothing to brag about there. So I, I, I ended up uh, quite surprised when I showed up to Pineview and they had all these musical programs and I actually found myself enjoying sitting in the classroom. And you were going to play the clarinet, right? I did. My father was a clarinetist. I have a buffet clarinet at home that was his. And Chris Mink found me right before I went to the band program. So I figured, well, I'll just play my clarinet in the next nine weeks. And yeah, who knows? I'll just mess around on the bass for nine weeks and then get over to the real stuff. Well, <laughs> the real stuff. I actually, if I can just tell you a quick story about Chris Mink. He's a bassist. Like I said, he's from Providence. Oh. And Please. So we have all these little connections that I didn't know about, but he actually asked me because of my last name, Mingus, which is a very famous jazz name. You're speaking of Charles Mingus. Yeah. I'm not related by any means to the uh, inimitable Charles Mingus, but he saw my last name and it really piqued his curiosity being that he's a, a, an adept musician himself. And he said, what do you want to play, Isaac? And I said, the clarinet. He said, that's adorable. Go get a bass. <laughs> And so much for the clarinet. <laughs> right. Hey, and the program was quite varied and intense, right? Well, it was something called a wheel rotation program where for nine weeks I would be in band and chorus. And then another nine weeks I'd be in orchestra and PE. And then another nine weeks art and band. and Whatever amalgamations of these artistic programs, uh, special ed programs. I love the synchronicity, though. I mean, here you are, you had no idea that you um, had this talent or this love for music, and you were bent on the clarinet, because I guess it was an emotional thing. Your father mm -hmm. played that instrument, and how Chris Ming? Chris uh, Mink. Yeah, Mink. Mink. Uh, but, it, but I love the synchronicity that I, maybe he saw something in you. Yeah, obviously more than the last name. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Now, Isaac, how many years were you under Chris Mink's tutorage? Six? Yeah. He just took a particular interest in me, especially because I indulged him after he knew I wanted to play clarinet so badly. Mm -hmm. So he really took me under his wing. He taught me pro bono for six years all, all the time that I was there at Pineview. Six years, okay. Um, he got me into Allstate after one year of playing. I went to the eighth grade Florida conference for Allstate, and that was an incredible experience, which definitely inspired me to actually keep practicing because he really he really you know to push me through within a year to the mm -hmm. to the statewide um i guess it's sort of an honors orchestra you audition for it but it's open to all the schools in florida public high schools and, and middle schools and that included the Dreyfus school of the arts and the new world school of the arts and a few other incredible magnet schools where they just practice music four hours a day um in a curriculum so uh, he, he after that, I, I found that practicing wasn't so bad. You know, it, it, it actually does reap, you know, quantifiable rewards. And 
I, I kept going. Yeah, that's I, for sure. You know. But what an honor. It, it was an yeah, honor. Was... And, and uh, Chris was so proud. And he was so I happy bet. to keep going after that. Because both of us saw what, what our chemistry was um, achieving. You know, and, and, he, and he thought he could do a lot for me. And he did. But music wasn't the only avenue you were taking at Pineview. You, beginning of seventh grade that summer that I was transitioning, you know, just mm-hmm. year into Pineview, I was also a year into the Sarasota Scholars Rowing Program. So I was just beginning a small athletic career, which I desperately needed at the time and pro- could probably use again. Um, <laughs> either way, um, moving, all these all these uh, things are coming into place when I was turning 12. And so, yeah. yeah. And then at that time, Isaac, your father's health begin to fail. Yeah. At that same time, that same summer, he was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And after a five-year battle, a four-year battle, he, uh, he passed away um, October of 2012 uh, on Halloween day. And Isaac, we've had these discussions and conversations before. It's, yeah. We've got to know each other. Your father passes away you're 15. Your life really began to unravel for you, didn't it? Yeah. Muddled through the rest of sophomore year after October 2012, and then junior year, well, disaster after disaster academically, um, culminating in a loss of all reputation and most of my credits. So I stopped rowing entirely after that. And um, with the base, I, I stopped practicing. I was lucky to make it in my junior year to the Allstate program since that was the top program. Um, that Allstate offers, but I, I, I made it by probably my heels, and they wouldn't allow me to continue on to senior year, thereby effectively ending my high school career. Um, that was extremely demoralizing, and if I dropped out of, uh, you know, it, it, for, like I said, all intents and purposes, everything was falling around me. My father passed, and one thing spiraled um, into another, into another. Um, the domino effect was really catastrophic because you've got the loss of a parent and the emotional trauma that comes with that and including that you know ALS is not a pretty disease right it, it yeah. it's not a gentle disease it's not yeah. kind and uh to those suffering or those around those suffering and uh it really took its toll yeah and once one thing started to collapse another thing would start to collapse and everything became more emotionally taxing mm-hmm. and uh I came to find myself without a hope so mm. That was a dark time. Right. And then, Isaac, there comes the time that you hit rock bottom. And you made some decisions, um, maybe not the wisest ones (laughs) (laughs) at the time. But it set a chain of events that really caused you, forced you to move on, didn't it? Yes. I, I left my mother and I went to my grandparents. And... I hid out there for about a month until their housing association, it's a 55-plus community, they came after them and said, well, put a lien on your house if he doesn't leave because you can't live in this community unless you're 45 or above. You're only allowed the 30 days grace period. So uh, with $500 in my name, I found a place for 550 and uh, I started renting, and that was 17. 17. November of 2014, I was 17 years old. Just four years ago. So I so I started you know treading water um, a little bit everything was my cost 
Um, I didn't have a GED or anything, and my grandparents kept pushing me, saying, you need to go get your GED. Um, I got my GED, and that's when things really started to turn around. Yeah, Some absolutely. glimmer of hope. <laughs> right, right. And you went to get your GED. Um, you had an excellent education. So that wasn't really a big deal for you. But what ended up being a big deal was something else that you took away from that experience that you learned with, right? Yes, the GED was, um, I wouldn't say a pushover, but it was not as difficult for me as it was for my peers taking the GED. You know, the people that I was studying with, you're mandated to study for at least two weeks in a certain technical college program. Um, before they allow you to take the examination. And the people around me were nowhere near as fortunate um, to have had the education, the gifted education that I had. Um, so I was helping people around the, around the classroom who were all studying on their computer programs and the instructors and I were going over some of the things on my test and then we'd all go and help the people around and so. Excellent. But that, that's really interesting uh, here sometimes uh, with our life experience. We feel like we're bottoming, bottoming out and uh, we have to kind of go through whatever we need to go through to come out of it. And like you said, you felt like, uh, you know, getting your GED is not the same thing as here I was in Pineview, this, you right. know, uh, really highly academic environment. But from Pineview, you would have never had the experience to turn around and be able to help and teach others. There you go. And that's like a, a, a life skill. Yeah. And maybe there's some humility. Uh, Absolutely. And, and once I came forward. to realize that, you know, that it was yeah. being able to help others. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was any, it was such a boom. And obviously a life lesson well learned, Isaac. Yes. Because that was only four years ago. You're 21 years old. Wow. Yeah. And look at the fine young man he turned out to be, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just embarrassed you again, Dimson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Janet Watermeyer, Executive Director of the Visual Arts Center, and I listen to Partnership for the Arts talk show. Okay, we are back from commercial break, and we want to make sure that we thank the executive director of the Visual Arts Center here, Janet Watermeyer, for that. And we are here talking with Isaac Mingus, who is a double bassist for the Venice and the Charlotte Symphony Orchestras, which we will discuss. Isaac, before we went to the break, we were talking about your uh, bouncing back with your GED. Mm -hmm. But you did some other things uh, after that, like one of your first professional performances, right? Absolutely. Um... Well, I've been playing jazz since the Pineview days. Um, when I was a junior in high school, there was founded the first ever Pineview Jazz Quartet by a bunch of seniors. They were just delinquents. They thought they were going to have some fun <laughs> playing some gigs around town, and the senior bassist said no. <laughs> he was a fantastic individual, but he just didn't really want to get himself involved with the quartet, so they asked to be in a jazz quartet. In 2014, of course, I had run away a couple months ago. So I said, sure, I want to learn. And we did gigs every Sunday at this place that was called the Broadway Bar in Sarasota. It's now called the Starlight Room. Mm, but okay. And the last year of a uh, uh, restaurant that had been around since 1925, uh, it failed in 2014, and we were there for the end of it. Um, <laughs> every Sunday we'd play in the evening. And there was one Sunday where 
a group was playing in the afternoon before we got there in the evening and their bass player pulled out at the last second so the owner of the bar said don't worry i've got a high school bassist that's going to be playing this evening and he can just play for your group as well so i showed up that afternoon and i met this man named bob minor who's a saxophonist mm -hmm. from charlotte county he lives here in punta gorda and he said okay how many years have you been playing jazz and i said four months <laughs> and he said do you know how to play jazz and i said everything is relative and <laughs> um, and he said okay i'll well we'll make this work and he gave me tips throughout the entire gig and uh tips often in the form of taking a saxophone out of his mouth and shouting at me um <laughs> but we made it <laughs> unscathed um and he said you've got talent you need work and that was about it and <laughs> but you know i didn't know that i'd see him again but I, that was my very first May of 2014. That was my first uh, quote-unquote professional gig. Are you going to tell us what you were playing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were playing everything you can think of for jazz standards, like Girl, Girl from Ipanema, All of Me, uh, Take Five, etc., etc. The, the stuff that you can call readily to mind. It was just uh, a quintet with a vocalist, um, I, I remember the orchestration being piano, drums, bass, sax, and the vocalist. And uh, Bob was the most adept player on the gig and the most apt to lead. So he was pulling everybody from one direction to another. He had a lot of fires to put out that gig, I remember, because um, all of us were a little all over the place. <laughs> um, but he did it, and I didn't actually see him again until New Year's Eve that year when the bass player for his regular group at Casariano's Italian Eatery in uh, Venice, on Venice Avenue, their bass player said, oh, I got a better gig. You need to find another bass player. And he called me in and dragged me through that gig. <laughs> <laughs> but, so yeah. I just find that fascinating. I'd never experienced that as a painter. Mm -hmm. So to the way you're talking about it, I just keep thinking of a salsa, you know, a salsa dance going on. So yeah, it is like, we all have a rubric, um, which is just a lead sheet of chords, and that's how the song goes pretty much every okay. time. Some people disagree on which chord fits where, but typically we have chords in a certain key. Okay. And those chord changes are what we all have to work with, but it's what we do with them that changes. So yeah, it is like a, a, different, a different amalgamation of our skills every time, and sometimes we fit together better than others and some players fit in better due to experience in any situation and some players can't adapt and I was in the middle of learning how to adapt and they all had to come to my level and sort of try to fit themselves around my misshapen ideas of what <laughs> jazz was <laughs> but but they molded it you know he with a with a sort of hammer <laughs> you know, he, he beat me into shape with his saxophone <laughs> so I, I i lovingly colloquially refer to him as my jazz teacher he doesn't see himself that way he just sees himself as another saxophonist but he's a great guy yeah that's an awesome story and how did you feel when the thought of okay i'm going to be playing actually now professionally just knowing that did it make you nervous you... it's hard to designate professional but i put it in the box of being paid to perform as okay. in you've got the responsibility somebody's giving you money to give them good music so that's uh, it, it was a little nerve-wracking by that definition because here i don't know what i'm doing and 
New Year's Eve 2014, of course, I had run away a couple months ago, and I'm, I'm just trying to tread water, and mm-hmm. here I am in this designation of professional in my mind, and I've got these right. people around me right. that are such astute professionals, at least relative to my abilities, and I'm just trying to keep up. So there was a lot of uh, nervousness before every gig, not for the performance aspect of it, but for the performing, for keeping okay. up with those around me. Okay. Yeah. What was I going to mess up this gig? <laughs> Who was I going to throw under the bus? How was Bob going to yell at me this gig? <laughs> Eventually, I started getting other contacts. Organically grown my network that way, just by word of mouth. I've never sent resumes or anything like that. It's who needs a bass player and when and why. And I show up and do the gig. So, yeah. And, and those are the best lessons just to... It's constantly yeah. staying on your toes, playing yeah. with new people, and I yeah. quite enjoy that now that I can adapt. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's the other dimension to music. You know, I think of, you know, when you look at the other art, visual writing or whatever, but so many dimensions come into being a, a musician more so, I think, than a lot of the other forms of art. You have to really have a, a highly developed sense of awareness to be able to pull oh. that off. There's a totally different awareness. It ain't Beethoven, I'll put it that way. You know? <laughs> and, that's, and that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Right, right, you know? yeah. Yeah, there's no judgment there. It is, like right. you said, it is just so, so it's different. It's just a different bear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same instrument, different thing. Yeah. Okay, so Isaac, you were playing in different jazz quartets. Then comes along the next milestone in your journey. You got a chance to audition for the youth orchestra in Sarasota, correct? That's right. Around the same time that I started with that first gig in May of 2014 with Bob, it was just before May that I discovered the existence of a group that said, well, we have a lot of quality musicians that make Allstate every year, and they call themselves the Sarasota Youth Philharmonic. I knew that the Sarasota Orchestra existed. I didn't know they had a youth program. And I check into it, and what's the deadline? Oh, it's May 1st. What's today's date? Oh, it's May 1st. (laughs) When... (laughs) For the, for the application, this is the deadline. Oh, when does the office close? It's 5 p.m. What is the time? 4.30. Okay. <laughs> so I printed out some forms really quickly, and I was uh, in the Pine View Orchestra with a couple other um, kids, Jack and Tyler. I liked them. They were good friends of mine, and I, and I texted both of them, and I said, you each owe me $35. We're all auditioning. Go print out Tchaikovsky Symphony 4. We've got some practicing to do. <laughs> they said, when's the audition? I said, two weeks. What? <laughs> in two weeks yeah so i learned the excerpt i spent all night that night practicing i don't we had a couple other etudes it was relatively difficult stuff because it's a strenuous yeah. group and they want to make sure that everybody that gets in can play and uh, i practiced for the entire night that night and then i came back to, all right guys meet me you know after after hours school ended at one o'clock meet me at three thirty in the orchestra room and i beat them over the head for, <laughs> with my newly acquired Tchaikovsky skills. I, I pushed them through the pike, and two weeks later we all auditioned and we all made it, which was great. We, and we were all very proud of our achievement, you know. <laughs> and then we actually had to play, so, you know, here comes the orchestra season. We all showed up to the Sarasota Youth Philharmonic, and uh, there, there we are, all three of us, and a boy named Jose, who I came to know very well, and... Uh, He's at the University of North Florida now, fantastic jazz bassist, and all four of us were the bass section that year. For, wow, uh, what an we incredible story. We got to do so much that year, from Verdi to Tchaikovsky to Poulenc, everything. It was great. Wow. 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 
Okay, Isaac, I have to ask. Hmm. Did, did they pay you back the 35 bucks? Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to have to call. <laughs> Especially if you compound interest. It could pay for that cruise trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, my name is Russ Emanuel. I'm the director of Occupants, the Assassin's Apprentice and Caller, and you're listening to Partnership for the Arts. Okay, so we are back, and we want to make sure we give a big shout-out to movie director Russell Emanuel. And, of course, Russell's movies, The Occupants, Assassin's Apprentice, and Collar, have been just winning incredible amount of awards throughout the film festivals globally. Okay, so now, Isaac, we were talking about the Sarasota Orchestra, but that wasn't the only orchestra you got involved in in 2014. No, um, that season started in August 2014. We put on our first concert around Halloween on October 28th, 2014. We played some cool stuff, including Dance Macabre by Sanson, which is just this creepy violin solo. It was a really electric concert, especially for a youth group. And... I was approached by this random, lanky, tall man at the end of the concert. As I'm trying to get my bass backstage, and this man is, Isaac, 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 he's speaking to me like, Isaac, he's got this strange accent about him, and I'm, I'm not sure who he is, so I, I stopped, and I said, hello? And he said, my name is Dave, and I'd like you to play in the Venice Symphony, and this December we have a vacancy, and I, I like your playing, and I want you to, and I had no idea what the Venice Symphony was, and I... <laughs> gosh another obligation sure i'll plan the event i'll be there thanks dave you know and i and i went backstage and i walked out and of course i got to the venice symphony that season and everybody's warming up around me dave is the principal bassist and his second oh. chair is the current principal and the principal of the charlotte symphony chris uh chris riley really great uh teacher and and uh educator and bassist he's a phenomenal bassist and all these bassists around me can play like, wait a second, <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> wait, you know, nobody told me this was a good orchestra, <laughs> wait a second, uh, and I practiced, <laughs> but you know. Um, but you didn't know. I had no idea, we were playing, uh, it was Christmas music, including the Nutcracker Suite, you know, the, the war horses of the Christmas repertoire, and uh, this is the first time I had gotten to play them, so I'm excited, and this is standards, but I expected a bit of a drag, you know, I thought we were going to drag this these pieces through, and of course it's brilliant sounding orchestra it's better than anything i'd been in at the time and it really lit up you know for me that my sort of another re-impassioning of mm. of my musicality mm -hmm. because I, I was wow there is more <laughs> to life there is more to bass playing at my level and uh here i was treading water where i thought i was just going to walk in and sort of cruise through it well, no, <laughs> with the Venice Symphony, I had no idea what they were. I thought it was a, I thought it was a community orchestra. I was wrong. And, <laughs> you know, I thought they were paying me because they needed, you know, uh, more adept players to come in. And it wasn't, it was a naive, you know, a naive way to look at it. It's just based on my experiences. At 17. Right. That I thought, you know, this is Sarasota. Unless you're in the Sarasota Orchestra, there's not much to do do here and I was so wrong and that was a great experience not only because it was a slap in the face and it was, shut up little kid you know you've got you've got a ways to go which was great because um, I knew I had a ways to go I just needed a, a place to have a springboard mm -hmm. and exactly. uh, anyway yeah December 2014 with the Venice Symphony and then 
I saw them again in February in 2015 for the Dick Hyman concert. And That's right. I, yeah, that was fun. Wow. And, and yeah. I saw them again in March that year. And then they offered me a full contract for the 15-16 season. And I was a member with them ever since. So. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you had this domino effect previously um, after your father passed away. And then with the, the events, the domino effect is going back up here mm -hmm. you know just one thing is kind of going into the next the next like it was meant to be yeah amazing story and i'm wondering too like if you knew what the venice um symphony orchestra was really knew what it about you probably would have gone in there very nervous but the fact that you were kind of naive and you just you had to wing it. I mean, it was just, okay, I have to wing this. I, I don't have time to be nervous here. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, it, and again, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that I thought I was so good that this was so far. Exactly. It, I practiced, I was ready. Mm -hmm. But even to the best of my abilities practicing, I wasn't ready to sit next to Eastman graduates. And uh, Dave Cobb, his son is Tim Cobb, the principal of the New York Philharmonic. There's a little bit of bass pedagogy there. And Chris Riley's a master's degree from the University of Florida Systems. And, and he's uh, just surrounded by this talent. And oh, gosh. You know? <laughs> um yeah, a rude awakening of sorts. A brilliant awakening, <laughs> yes, but yeah, quite... Yeah. It wasn't comfortable. <laughs> no, it was not comfy at first. It was it was exciting, but definitely not comfy. And this was your last season with them, correct? This was my last season with them because I'm moving on to go to college up in Gainesville, but I have played with them December 2014 until May 2018. Wow, okay. okay. Four years. Yeah. So, four yeah, yeah, four yeah. seasons with them that I got to participate. It's a fantastic orchestra. Um, especially for their ability to center in this little sleepy town of Venice and create art, you know, mm -hmm. really attack repertoire that is no joke. Uh, we don't play abridged versions of anything in the Venice Symphony, and, and it, we come at it with a musicality that would astound most. So it, it, was, it was a great experience. Favorite moment from there? Favorite moment from the Venice Symphony goes back probably to the real hot water. <laughs> temperature extreme water to the Dick Hyman concert that I alluded to earlier um, that actually has its roots in a jazz luncheon that I haven't yet shared um, every Thursday a group of individuals has been meeting in Sarasota at Millie's restaurant for 25 years or something like that I may be off on the history I wasn't there okay. but um, <laughs> being 21 <laughs> right, yeah. the lunch is older than I am that's all I know and every Thursday they've met and it's added over time and they invited me and I figured, well, this is a great networking opportunity. So I started showing up and I would listen to their stories. I love listening and I love, you know, though you may not be able to tell by lo my loquacious nature, I do love listening. And um, I heard so much from these older gentlemen and ladies that had been playing jazz for decades longer than I'd been around. Um, they shared so much. So I was 17 and I was at the lunch in mid-December and I have this man walk in with a floppy hat and large rimmed glasses and he just looked like a Hawaii surfer type you know who who is this guy you know a little bit past his prime but at one time he was just out to lunch surfing and I had no idea who, who he was and he sits down and starts talking to somebody and I'm still curious about him and somebody leans in and says do you know who that is and I said no I don't who is that and Oh, that's Dick Hyman. 
Um, <laughs> you ever heard of Dick Hyman? And I said, no, I haven't heard of Dick Hyman. And the guy filled me in on just a few of the things, like that he scored all of Woody Allen's films, for example. Or that he's got four, by the, he's got six now, I believe, but he had four honorary doctorates from various esteemed colleges for his musicality and etc etc and i said oh that's dick hyman (laughs) (laughs) oh now he's an nea jazz master he's an incredible career and he looked at me and he said hi i'm dick and i said hello sir i'm isaac and he said i heard you're a bassist and i said how did you hear that (laughs) (laughs) who told you Um, yes, I'm a bassist, and he said, "Do you do you play?" And I said, "Wait, well, well, yes, well, well yes, I, I play, uh, I play, I play with the Venice Symphony." And he said, "Oh, you're an upright bassist for the Venice Symphony?" And I said, y- y- "Yes, sir." <laughs> do you play electric? Y- yes, sir. I didn't. <laughs> I owned an electric, <laughs> and I knew how to play it, but I was not an adept electric player. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, how many times are you going to get asked by a man of this caliber? <laughs> Do you play right, electric? I so perform. I just said, yes, I guess I play electric. And he said, okay, great. You're going to be in my trio for the Venice Symphony's uh, upcoming premiere of my work for Piano Trio and um, <laughs> Symphony. And he went back to eating his lunch. And I had the cheapest thing on the menu, which was chili, and I couldn't get it to my mouth because I was shaking it into, oh, man. That was nerve-wracking. So, how did it go? <laughs> I didn't do that fantastic a job. I did what I could. I, I did everything I could. Um, it wasn't particularly complicated music either, but it was just the nerves and... Um, Playing everything. with Dick Hyman. Well, I'm on stage yeah. with Dick Hyman going through an amplifier. Um, everybody can hear me. There's nowhere to hide. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was probably my favorite simultaneously my most nervous but favorite moment with the with the Venice Symphony was being in that trio with Ken Bauermeister conducting and Dick on piano in that all-white suit of his that all-white tuxedo that he wore on this angel of nervousness um, <laughs> very friendly guy he he, uh, he he never denigrated towards me he always treated me like I was worthy of respect and worthy of, you know worthy of being given a shot and he always has and He's been a friend since. He and, and, uh, and his are, wife, Julia, are fantastic individuals. And Okay, now, Isaac, we are running out of time, but we're not going to let you leave until you explain the photograph with Dick Hyman. There's a fantastic picture uh, from, from the newspaper that was covering, the Herald Tribune covered this particular performance, and they came and took photographs of our rehearsal. And there's a picture of myself leaning over his shoulder as he plays the piano, and I look like I'm looking at something with him. And mm-hmm. it was really because I messed something up so badly that he said, Mingus, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> a true story. A true story. <laughs> and, uh, well, Dick is such an, an incredible pianist. He practices for hours a day, even at 91. He has since he was a teenager. And when he has a sense that the tempo is slipping or dragging or that is rushing, he starts kicking the floor. <laughs> to give the tempo and he was kicking the floor while playing the piano while playing my part and his part and parts of the orchestra's reduction and i'm just trying to keep up with my part over his shoulder and so yeah he was uh, sort of infantilizing me there um but uh, which i deserved of course but anyway that was it's a great photograph but 
I know what it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> and now everybody else does. And it. now, <laughs> well, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> but another trade secret, <laughs> right? No, and and, and I, I treasure the photograph though. It, it oh, really yeah, is. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. I look at it with a little bit of awe that I survived it, but um, <laughs> so it shall be. So it was, and so it shall be. Okay, so Isaac. How about we move on? Let's talk about uh, your next step adventure, the State College of Florida. Accepted in there, and I'm out of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right. Means Isaac, we are out of time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Isaac, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. It's my and pleasure it, to be here. Yeah. It really, truly is a pleasure to have you here. And, and like Dave said, just thank you so much. For I feel so enlightened now. Just I, I want to go paint. <laughs> you, I, I, I know I'm going to have a, well, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Because it's going to be really high octane. I'm yeah. just going to be mm-hmm. pointing all night in my studio now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kat, but Dave, really, thank you thank so you. much. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And you mentioned being inspired. The story is you, you really are an inspiration. But we've got a lot more inspiration coming in part two. Uh, We've got quite a few more things to cover uh, with you, Isaac, one of them being the Charlotte Symphony Orchestra when we come back. And I have to really say that uh, Isaac really has shown a true journey going into the Mm -hmm. dark night of the soul, coming through it, and now you're contributing back to the community. And that's truly a hero's journey. And with that being so well said, Catherine. Yes, Dave. You have a good day. You too, Dave. I really enjoyed this. And we're going to end the show with, and Isaac, you're going to have to join us in here on this one. All right. Okay. So, you ready? I'm ready, Dave. We go with Art Art Hour. Hour. All right. (laughs) There you go. Who said a bassist doesn't have timing? This is Partnership for the Arts Talk Show. Thanks for joining us. As we explore the worlds of art. You can find this and other episodes on our Facebook page, Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show, or you can find us on our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. This show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida.